Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles as we get into the Word today to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And, you know, of course, this is the, this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving this week. And uh, so just thinking about the idea of thankfulness, you know, and what that means. Of course, the Bible says a lot about how we're to carry a thankful heart and be thankful at all times. And so this scripture in 1 Thessalonians is definitely one of the more familiar, starting in uh, verse 16 of chapter 5. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Jesus Christ for you. So in everything give thanks, right? Now, first of all, let me say about that, that giving thanks is really one of the keys to having a thankful heart or having kind of a, a thankful attitude about things. The idea of giving thanks is, is an action, right? It's we're giving thanks to God on a continual basis for what we have. And it's by giving him that thanks that he is due for what he's doing in our lives and for what he's making possible that allows creates an atmosphere of thankfulness for us to sort of walk in. And being in an atmosphere of thankfulness or living with a thankful heart regularly is so important because it helps us to not drift off and, and see the things that maybe we do not have or the things that we seemingly in our mind are are lacking right when we're thankful for all the things that we do have when we take survey of all the stuff that God has provided for in our lives and then we give him thanks and we give him honor for making those things available to us then we are basically creating a, a an atmosphere of thankfulness and we are more focused and more aware of the things that we do have all around us and we don't shift over and, and maybe get into a place which can happen where we become a little bit more aware of the things that we don't have and if people aren't careful they can get into a real rut with this where it's like their whole life is about looking around and just chasing what they don't have or being disappointed in what they don't have currently in their possession in their hands or in their life right I'm not saying don't desire good things and blessings from God because we know that we need to do that but what I'm saying is we need to have more of a bent in the direction of just always recognizing what God has done for us what we do presently have available and be so ever thankful for that that we're just a thank we're just carrying a thankful heart all the time and then and then there's an atmosphere of that around us if you agree with that say amen. amen right paul said that i've learned to be content in all things i whether i abase or whether i abound so he's saying if i'm lacking or if i have extra it's all the same to me i'm grateful to god for what i do have because i recognize that god is is in the situation and he's done things for me to which i am to be thankful and it's really all about a matter of perspective i think i mean you know every one of us right now are sitting here looking with our two eyes looking at this picture of what's in this room but if you were to bring someone who is blind in here 
you talk about really having a deep sense of appreciation just for sight, right? I mean, take a breath right now. The person that is suffering from some chronic lung condition, you imagine how thankful that they would be just to be able to take that one deep, clean breath. We can go on and on and on, right? And, and, and many times we think about things, we, we don't think too much about things like this, but there's people in the world that would trade all of the riches that you can imagine just for that ability to see or for that ability to breathe and have, you know, a, a, a deep breath. So it's, it's about having a perspective. So let us continue to, you know, be thankful at all times, like the Bible says, giving thanks to God so that as we perform that action of giving thanks, we create an atmosphere or a heart of thankfulness and, and recognizing all the things that God is up to and not necessarily focused on what we do not have. Now, when it says to, uh, in everything, give thanks, this is definitely, I think, easier for people to do when we look at the things we have that we would say uh, we are appreciative of as, as like we would consider them blessings, right? I mean, you, you think about what I'm saying about seeing or about breathing, and it's easy to say, oh, yes, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I'm going to give God thanks for that. But sometimes it's difficult to, to see how to give thanks or to be thankful when we're going through things that are very, very difficult, and very, very hard and very, very trying on us. But God in his sovereignty sees fit to allow because they're going to help us. They're going to further his plan for our life or they're going to further his plan for the world around us in terms of what we're going through. That's the part that is more difficult for a lot of people to grasp hold of is to have an attitude of thankfulness or to be giving thanks for things that are happening that are things we wouldn't normally choose for ourselves to go through. But we know that when the Bible says to in everything give thanks, that God's talking about those times and those seasons just the same as he is those good and fruitful seasons the way that we might see them. And in my opinion, this is one of the keys is to really being able to, you know, live life in such a way where we we're going to feel the difficulties, we're going to feel pains, but we can still look at what's happening on a regular basis and say, I have reason to give thanks to God for what's going on in my life. Even though this is difficult, I have reason to give thanks because I know God is doing something, He is up to something, and as difficult as it may be, I'm going to give Him thanks for things I don't even necessarily see are going on, but I believe in faith are happening behind the scenes, right? And so we know that in, or, in order to, to really, I believe, get to that point where we're living like this regularly, we have to understand that God has a very big agenda, right? He's got a huge, huge agenda that really is much broader than just your or I, my individual lives. Our lives play a role in things, but God has an agenda. And listen, one of God's main purposes in his agenda is to save people. 
is to reach lost people. And so this is what I want to try to submit to you today. We're, we're going into this idea of thankfulness. We're talking about being thankful in times where it's very difficult to see, you know, something positive in the equation. But we know there's reason to give thanks. And in order to do that, we grasp that God has an agenda and that he is about saving people and reaching people for his glory and that he uses you and I to do that. He uses, welcome to the body of Christ, right? God is, Jesus is the head and we are the body. And so we are movement members in this agenda, in this plan that God is leading and orchestrating to reach a lost humanity. And so when we grasp that God has an agenda that's really big and it's about saving people, it's about reaching lost people, it's outside of us. In my mind, it gets a little easier for me to realize when things aren't going well for me, that things could be positioning very perfectly for someone else, right? Can you agree with that? So let's, what I want to do is I want to take you through um, a little bit of a journey today in the book of Acts. This is what we call uh, Paul's fourth missionary journey. This was his last, this is where he ultimately went on to be martyred. Okay, and um, it, it takes place through Acts chapter 20 through chapter 28. So we're going to kind of jump through there quickly today. But I want you to, um, what I want you to grasp as we get into this is that this story of Paul on this journey, to me, is one of the greatest examples, I think we'd be harder pressed to find a better one, of somebody who is just constantly being inconvenienced at every turn. Things for him don't seem to be lining up well at all, but people around him are being touched and lives are being changed for God's glory all over the place. Amen. So starting out in uh, chapter 20, the first thing that that Paul says is he's getting ready to head to Jerusalem. And he knows that this is like going to be one of his last trails that he's going to make. He gets that in the spirit. It says in verse 22, um, and see now. I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So right away, Paul, he's already kind of in this place that I'm you know, talking about, kind of challenging us to, to get to, where he sees that there's great difficulty that lies ahead. There's very undesirable situations that are coming for him. Chains and tribulations await me. But he says, I don't... It doesn't matter. It doesn't move me because I am committed to, to, the, to finish my race with joy and the ministry which I've received from the Lord Jesus. See, he understands that it's not necessarily about him so much as it is about what God is going to use him to do in the lives of many other people. No matter how, he doesn't even know how many people. He just knows there's lost 
lost people, there's people that don't know Christ, there's people that haven't heard this message, my life's going to be radically inconvenienced, but it doesn't even matter, because this idea that God's agenda is happening, and he's using me, and I can see that there's things that are taking place in the lives of other people as a result of my inconveniences, yes, I will gladly accept that call, right? Now listen, none of us in this day and age for the most part, are going as far as to have to go through chains and tribulations and all of these things that Paul is realizing are going to happen. We have what Paul would probably just kind of giggle at, right, is modern day inconveniences, long lines, traffic, different things that come up that are all in themselves opportunities presenting themselves for something that God could potentially be up to. If we will be cognizant of that and aware of that and desiring that and seeking that like Paul is in, in all the matters and all the times of our inconveniences. Listen, I'm, I'm going to be the first to admit it. I can't stand long lines. I mean, I just can't. I'm like, I just can't. It's, it, we went to Disney World and when they told me that the line was like an hour and a half to get into this one ride, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, fast pass all the way up, you know, there's this fast pass thing that you can use on two rides through the day and you don't have to wait in line. And so I tried to use my fast pass every time just to see if it would work. One time it did. I repent. I don't, there's some little bit of dishonesty there, I think maybe, but so long lines, you know, and whatever things present themselves that to us become, oh my gosh, major inconveniences, almost like I can't believe I'm going to have to deal with this. I'm going to avoid this. I'm going to circumvent this. But unfortunately, what happens is this, if we're circumventing things that we deem as inconvenient or undesirable, but God is positioning them and wanting them to happen, then we can ultimately be circumventing what God is wanting to do in us and through us and ultimately to maybe reach someone else around us. And when we're looking at the world through the eyes of just our life, it's hard to see those things. It just doesn't pop out at you as much. But when you're looking at the world through the eyes of Jesus and through the eyes of a big agenda that God has about reaching people, those things are always possibilities in every inconvenient moment that you're ever going to face. And if we're open to that and if we'll allow God to, he will use so many of those inconvenient, unfortunate, undesirable times, seasons, or moments in our lives that we're going to go through to do great and mighty and miraculous things that when it's said and done you would never change for anything because you'll see what ultimately was able to come from that right amen so Paul goes on from here he heads to Jerusalem and I'm just going to kind of move quickly through this but he go he gets to Jerusalem and he uh he first he gets a prophecy from this from this well-known prophet that tells him that, yeah, you know, bad things are going to happen to you. And so they try to continue to talk him out of it. And he's like, no, I'm not, you're not going to talk me out of this. God is doing something right through my inconveniences, right through this trail that's going to lead through some of the greatest adversity I've ever faced. I'm committed to this journey, no matter how it's affecting me, because ultimately it's affecting other people in a way that God wants to use me to do. So he gets, he gets up there, and then what he starts to do is he starts to preach in the temple of the Jews about Jesus. And what happens is, is the Jews, they get really, really freaked out about the idea that Paul's introducing, which is that the Messiah has already come. 
You know, this Messiah that Old Testament tradition talked about, he came and he did what he said he was going to do. It happened. Okay, and now Jesus has brought salvation to the world, and not only do the Jews have this Messiah that's come, but the Gentiles can receive this salvation too, which is people that weren't of the Jewish culture. And they freak out about it because they just can't accept it, right? And so they start to beat him, and they want to throw him in prison. They want to basically execute him because what he's saying goes against their traditions and their laws. And if you look at uh, chapter 21... In verse 31, it says, Now as they were seeking to kill him, him being Paul, news came to the commander of the garrison that all of Jerusalem was in an uproar, and he immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. So then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. So now the Jews are ready to kill him. And then the commander, which is Roman, has to step in and take control. And they basically put Paul captive. And what begins from here is a series of events that are unbelievably inconvenient for Paul. He's imprisoned. He's got chains. He's being beaten. They're trying to kill him. The Jews are plotting his death. If they're going to transport him from one place to another, they've got people laying in wait to try and kill him. Paul hears about this from other members that he's friends with letting him know. And so he's just, he's kind of along for this ride, if you will. That's one of the most difficult things that he's ever have gone through up till this point but he realizes that things are, are taking place that are greater than his inconveniences and then he gets to a point where uh, the commander allows him to address the people the, uh, of the culture so now he gets this podium and he begins to talk about his testimony about how this guy named Jesus came and spoke to him on a horse and saved him so he's now because of all these things he's went through he's standing on a platform and hundreds maybe thousands of people who've never heard about Jesus are hearing about him for the first time and the gospel is being preached Wow, right? I mean, listen, the thing is, God will allow a lot of really, really tough things to happen if he can use it to save people, if he can use it to spread the word of his good news. He's going to allow those kinds of things to take place. And the thing with Paul that we see here that I'm trying to really hit on is that he gets it and he understands. I may not know all the details, but I get that my difficulties can yield something great for God. And so I'm not going to circumvent this if I sense that God is up to something and he is in this. And so he goes on. Eventually, he gets in front of the commander. And then he goes on to this guy named Felix, who is in charge of the whole area. He gets to share his testimony with Felix. He shares his testimony with Felix's wife because he's in prison. And then this next guy that comes along, his name is uh, uh, Festus. And then he gets to hear Festus and his family get to hear uh, Paul's testimony. This takes place over like two years. Paul is imprisoned. He's in chains. He's bound and he's going through all this. But at moments and at times, he's getting the opportunity to share the message of Christ where it would maybe never have otherwise have been shared, right? And so his inconveniences and his difficulties are bringing amazing things to pass. It even goes on to say that... Uh, 
a lot of people began to believe in Paul's uh, testimony as a result of what he was proclaiming. So then he finally, I'm just fast forwarding through all this. There's a lot of stuff in here. You should read these chapters. They're really good. And so Paul goes, he gets to this point now where they say, okay, we're going to send you to Caesar because he says, I'm going to go. I want to share what's happening. The Jews are accusing me of something I didn't do. I want to go into Caesar and I want to make my case known to him. And because he's a Roman citizen, they have to let him do that. And, and so they're like, wow, this guy, man, he probably, we, we could have probably already let him go. We would have probably already taken his chains off and just released him if he wouldn't have said he would have, he wanted to go to Caesar. Well, listen, I guarantee you Paul understood that. He wanted to go to Caesar, even though that didn't mean good things for him, because he knew that he would have the opportunity to share his testimony with a broader group of Romans and Greeks and Gentiles that were, had never heard the name of Jesus, that may, he may never get a platform to do that any other way. So he's going through this major difficulty in order to accomplish that. So then he gets on this boat. Listen to this. He gets on this boat, and they're headed to, uh, to Rome. And this huge storm comes, and Paul's a prisoner on the boat. This huge storm comes, and it's threatening to destroy the ship. They're throwing all their supplies overboard because all they're worried about is surviving now, getting rid of weight, and just making sure they man the ship. And Paul comes in, and he says, uh, listen to this. This is in chapter 27, verse 22. He says to all these people who probably none of them have heard of God before, the real God, he says, now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve. Don't you love how he drops that in there that way? To whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sailed with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as he told me. However, we are going to run into an island. So he says, listen, it's all good. God, I'm, I serve God. I'm on a mission, and these are, these are bad things, but we're going to be okay. God's going to save us. And guess what? God spares them all, and they see that, and they buy into this, this idea that Paul serves a God who actually has authority. And then it says in verse 35, Paul actually took bread and broke it because they had not been eating for 14 days while the ship was being hit with the storm. He took bread and broke it and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all, and they all began to eat, and they were encouraged. Amazing, right? I mean, who wants to be in a ship that's about ready to be hit with a storm and sink? Nobody. But when God looks at this and says, I can, I can share the good news with 276 persons on the ship, all of a sudden the agenda changes. The picture is just different. It's not about one man's difficult situation. It's about the potential salvation uh, and life-changing events that God can do in the lives of many other people around him. So then he gets shipwrecked on the island. It's called Malta. And then he, he goes up, he's gathering wood, and a snake bites him in the hand while he's gathering wood. It's a viper. And the, the, the natives are like, oh, this guy's like a witch doctor or something. You know, he's, he survived the ship, but he's not going to live. You know, surely he's a bad person 
this snake comes out and bites him. Well, they're sitting around the fire, and they're all, I can just imagine this. The Bible says they're observing him through the night. They're just watching him, like waiting for him to swell up, you know, fall over and die. Nothing happens to Paul at all. So then they, they perceive him as a, a man of God. Otherwise, he would have died. And guess what happens? They bring this guy who's the leader of the island to him, and that guy's father was laying sick with a fever, and Paul goes in and prays for him, and he gets healed. And then it says that he went on to, to the people in the rest of the island that had diseases. All came and all were healed. And Jesus' name was proclaimed. You see what I'm saying is, is none of these things that Paul had to go through in order to create the opportunities to impact people around him like this, none of these situations are things you and I would choose for ourselves. They're simply not. And God is leading us in our lives in such a way that it's going to take us down paths that for us personally, circumstantially, are going to be undesirable. And we've got to grab hold of the fact that, listen, there is something going on in those moments and those times that God has an agenda and it's bigger than potentially just what's going on in our life, but about what's happening in people's lives around us. And if God can take us through some of the greatest difficulties to just save one person, I'm here to tell you, he would do that. He would do that. If he, could, if he would allow you to go through great trial and difficulty and struggle in your life that you will overcome so that he can reach one lost and dying person, he will do that. You know how I know that? Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin. Jesus says, he says, look, it's like a shepherd that has a hundred sheep and one sheep goes astray. The shepherd's going to leave the 99 to go get the one and bring him back. And greater rejoicing is there in heaven over the one sinner who repents than the 99 who were already justified and didn't need to repent. And then he even throws another parable out there about the lost coin where he says it's like a woman who lost one coin. She had many, but when she found the one coin that she had lost, they rejoice. And he says, all the angels in heaven, I'm telling you, are rejoicing right now over every last one sinner who repents. Every one last sinner who repents. And what we've got to do, this life of a son or a daughter of Christ in the family of God, it's about being a part of God's plan and his agenda to save lost and dying people. It's part of it. We're all, on, we're all signed up for that. And as we realize that and we allow God to move us through things that, with that awareness, it allows us to be thankful each and every day for any moment or any opportunity or any difficulty that may come to us because we're submitted to this great sovereign plan and this agenda that God has knowing that hey if my life if the difficulty in my life is going to allow other people to be touched and reached then okay you know Paul said when they told him he said they said well you're going to be bound up you're going to be in prison he said I die for this calling you don't understand I'm not worried about being tied up I would die for this I would give my life for Jesus if I knew I could go out and reach more people, right? And he's not going to be dissuaded. And he gives us a great picture of how we can be persevering and moving forward through difficulties that are going to come our way, knowing that something big God has planned is going on behind the scenes. And, I, and for us, we as people, we just got to get that heart of Jesus, you know? We've got to know that, look... 
if God has to derail us or dis disrupt things in our life in order to make awesome things happen for other people, then our God, he'll do that. And, and we got to understand that it's not about some great little run for us that's all comfort and all easy and all fun. I mean, the, it's the blessed life. You're, it, it is. But it's not necessarily going to always be easy. And that we're ready for that. And that God can use us. And that many, many people, as we move along, we can look back and say, wow, that would have never happened. Or that person would have never been reached. Or that person would have never been touched. That person would have never been healed. Everybody on that island wouldn't have been healed, right? Hundreds. He ministered. He shared his testimony. He prayed for people. People got healed. And then he went on when he finally ended up getting to Rome and he went to Caesar. They put him in prison for two years. They gave him a little place and it said that he, people were allowed to come and go for years and they didn't obstruct that. And, and tons of people heard the testimony of the kingdom of God of Jesus Christ as a result of that. He's stuck in prison in this little house. He can't go anywhere. But people are free to come and go. And people, Jews and Gentiles alike, are hearing the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. People are coming to salvation because of that. Paul eventually goes on to get martyred. He eventually goes on to be executed. Right? I mean, this is the life that speaks volumes about going through difficulties in order to see a lost and dying world touched and impacted. I don't know how God's going to choose to do it with you or even with me in the future, but I know he's going to do things. He's going to allow things that are going to be t difficult and hard, but he's going, if we'll allow him to, and if we'll see the bigger plan as we move through that, he's going to use you to change the world. He's going to reach a lost and dying and hurting people out there through the life that he's leading you through. It wasn't too long ago, Katie and I, we were talking about a situation that we had come into. This is a number of years ago, but we were recently talking about it. And, you know, we were, we were kind of convinced it was time to move on into some different things in our life. And, you know, we were, we were kind of forcing it ourselves a little bit more than we should have. Um, we we're more focused on the inconveniences of what the current situation was bringing and more wanting the things that, you know, we were longing for. And so we were kind of doing things in our own, with our own hand. Uh, and it didn't end up working out. You know, years went by and we never were able to kind of move on from that thing. And we eventually just sort of said, you know what, this, evidently this isn't what God wanted or it would have happened you know we thought it was but we pushed it it didn't happen and so we kind of got back on track but as a result of that of kind of being where we were for a number of years um, there were some people that were really touched because we stayed where we were and in particular a, a family was led to the Lord you know and and gave their life to Christ and now today is living for God and so Katie, just recently we were talking about that. I was like, you know, isn't that crazy? You know, we were, when we thought we were going to be moving on and, and we ended up being there and all that time. And, you know, hey, if we wouldn't have done that, just think so-and-so, you know, they would have never been led to, to, to Christ. And Katie just asked me, she goes, she said, do you really think that God would let, allow us to go through all that, all that time just for that, just to save that one person, you know? And I just, I didn't even think about it. I just said, yeah, I absolutely do, actually. I absolutely do. I just responded immediately because I just knew I, I, that that was the case. And I thought about that more and more. 
And I'm like, God, inconvenience me if you have to. I don't, you know, lead me through trial. Lead me through difficulty. Help me to see the trials that I'm dealing with as these opportunities for you to do something outside of me. I'm going to heaven, man, you know? I'm going. We give Christ our life. We accept him. We're headed there. We've got a great life to live, and we need to do that. But this life that we live, this great blessed life, the primary objective that God is up to is to use you and I to reach those who are not yet headed there. That's the plan. And it's going to happen in all kinds of different ways, in all kinds of different areas, in all kinds of different places, in all kinds of different seasons, in all kinds of different years and times and events. And we should just welcome them all. But the point that I'm trying to get across today as we come into this time of thanksgiving and celebrating what we're thankful for is looking around at some of the things that are hard to be thankful for and recognizing that there really is a lot there going on that we probably don't see and that God's agenda is really, really big and it's outside of just us. Our life is a vessel in order to be used to touch the people that God's heart is hurting for that are not yet going to live in paradise with him. It's kind of like Jeremiah says in, when he's talking about the clay on the potter's wheel, right? We've got to be moldable. We've got to be able to be fashioned. And God shapes us, as in, shapes us and uses us. We have to just remain pliable like the clay. If the clay gets hard, it becomes a hard vessel. You might as well be thrown on the ground, cracked and broke because it can't be remade. It can't be you know, shaped any differently anymore. We've got to stay that moldable, pliable clay, which to me is so relevant when you're going through times of difficulty and adversity because you've got to realize that, man, this is the time that I need to let God lead the way. If he's going to take me through this, I'm going to have to let him take me through this, and I'm going to let him do what he wants to do in order to see what he's trying to accomplish through this thing come to pass. And most of the time, we're probably going to be looking back on those things and celebrating them, realizing afterwards the things that have been taking place, maybe not so much as actually in those moments that we see everything that God is up to. He's just too big, you know, and it's just too much going on for us to grab hold of all the time. So let's do this. Let's stand to our...